Hello, and welcome to the Thrive Yoga and Wellness Podcast. My name is Jennifer Dixon, and today's episode, I am so excited to chat with one of my very, very sweetest friends, Merritt Maloof Plum from the Energy Center on a yoga philosophy topic, the fourth yama, brahmacharya. So go ahead, sit back, relax, be prepared to maybe laugh a little bit and learn as we explore yoga philosophy in sacred spaces. Greetings from the sacred space. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Merritt Maloof Plum with the Energy Center and Thrive Yoga and Wellness. And I am Jennifer Dixon here with Thrive Yoga and Wellness. We are so excited to have you. And before we get into today's topic, which is Brahmacharya, that is the fourth Yama, uh, I want to make sure to remind you guys that we have this YouTube channel and you should hit the subscribe button. It's like right there. Yes, please. If you like it and give us comments. Yeah. Let us know what you think we and love what you... hearing from you. Yeah. No, it's, we are super excited. The channel has been growing really well. Almost a, a one subscriber a day for the past couple months. I'm super pumped. I am too. And we just appreciate you being with us and, so, and being a part of our growth and oh, yeah. our experience. <laughs> and we're happy to be here and talk to you about the fourth Yama. So if you remember, oh, what was that, about four four weeks ago, or be five weeks ago, we did our very first like overview of the Yamas, Yamas and the, and the Yamas. Yamas. Mm -hmm. There's five each. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments of the Yogis, right? And to, today, we're still, we're almost done with the Yamas. We've already covered. This is the last... No, the next to the last. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have that. So what we've already covered ahimsa, which is non-violence, mm -hmm. and then we've covered a state satya, which is truth, and then we do a stayat last week. Yes. Nope, I think I mixed those up. No, so. truth came after non-violence, right? Yeah, but I, I published them in the wrong order. Oh, you order. published them in the wrong so, order. So last week was actually truth, but I didn't publish it in the right order. We didn't do them in the wrong order, but we posted them in the wrong order, so we should get a little credit for that. <laughs> we're, we're a very small tech team. Yes. <laughs> so, so my apologies for that. <laughs> yeah, we're learning as we go. That's right. That's right. And so... This week we're talking about brahmacharya, which is a mouthful in and of itself, but in essence it means non-access. Non-access, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not access, excess, excess, excuse me. Yeah, and it's, it really refers to, simplify, to me, it means Brahma's cave. So it's about simplifying and decluttering the excess in your life so that you're closer to the divine. I love it. So, you know, when I talk about these concepts with some people, they feel like it's a restriction or I can't, but when you're really in alignment mm -hmm. and all your chakras and meridians are flowing and you're doing your yoga practices and, you know, taking time to meditate, these things kind of come naturally. I think so. And I think a lot of times when folks are brand new to reading about these, these yamas and the niyamas, they get hung up on... So, for example, a lot of the newbies, they're like, oh, they're talking about not having sex. Well, I'm out. Right, but that's just one component. And it's not saying that you can't have sex either. It's just saying you don't do it in access, not access, excess. I'm struggling today. Well, and so, yeah, you look at areas in your life mm -hmm. where 
you overdo it. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting all day thinking about having sex or having a drink or, you know, and if you're like binging on certain things, you try to kind of come back to your center where you're full from within. Mm-hmm. And then you do all those other things in moderation. Yep. I love it. And, and from the Christian perspective, that's one of those things that that's considered an idol. Like, have you made chocolate an idol, work an idol, something that comes before your relationship with God? And that's why brahmacharya meant so much to me because I have a tendency towards excess in things that aren't always healthy. Like, I will um, work too much, work in excess too much. I know that sounds silly, but it's true, and it does things that's harmful to my body, harmful to my relationship with my husband and even my kids. And then, you know, there are occasions when it's like I'm super stressed out and then I see the candy bar and I'm like, all right, normally one square is okay, but uh uh-uh. I just found out so-and-so's coming over, where's the booze and the chocolate? (laughs) So that's what I feel like brahmacharya is is reminding us of, of don't overdo it or try not to overdo it or go to something else outside of you to keep that calm and peace. Well, not something outside of you. Yeah. Something inside of you. Exactly. Don't go outside. Like, move from that center place. We talk about it in these videos a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. move from that place of that which created you. And then there's more of a natural rhythm, a natural flow. And if you can stay in that place all the time, and I move in and out of it, Mm -hmm. honestly, Mm -hmm. have all my life. But, you know, I can preach it all day. But when it comes to actually living it, I have to really stay connected to my meditation and to staying connected to my divinity what that is for me mm-hmm. in order to really live these truths without feeling like I'm fighting it yep or like fenced in like in a cage yeah yep. no and I totally that's agree. not what this is about it's not about being fenced in these things as you begin to develop your yamas and niyamas and your practice through yoga or whatever practice you use will begin to happen naturally. Yeah, beautiful. But it starts with being connected to the divine. That's why they refer to it as Brahma's cave. Interesting that you put it that way because my my teacher, and I've mentioned this before in this podcast, my teacher Manju, people will ask him what he eats all the time and they'll ask him about diet and all of this sort of stuff. And Manju says, I never tell anybody what to eat. I never tell anybody what to eat. If they want to eat meat, they can eat meat. If they want to, you know, go out and drink or smoke, they can. But all I tell them is to keep practicing. Because the more you practice, the more you're going to find out that those things don't serve me as well as I thought they did in the past. And so, for example, I was just out there training with him recently. And I completely forgot. I don't go to Starbucks very much. There was a Starbucks across the street from me, from our Airbnb. So I was there every morning working and I would get my mocha because I haven't gotten to have mochas like in forever. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of milk in mocha. Mm -hmm. I haven't had milk. I haven't been able to have milk since I had my son. I had to give it up. Interesting. And once he stopped nursing, I couldn't drink it anymore because it upset my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so by the third day, I was like, my belly was huge. It was looking like I was starting to be pregnant again. And I know, and I was I was gassy. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Sorry for all the people that lived there and were watching. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And then it was all that connection to my practice is what reminded me because I would be moving into 
poses and I was like, oh, what's going on? Because otherwise we were eating really clean. And then I was like, oh, it's the milk. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so it's that recognition when you come back to your practice every single day, you're, you notice what goes in impacts the energy that you go out, that goes out of you every day. And so yeah. that was meaningful to me. Well, and in the book, we're referencing the yamas and the yamas. She talks about how she and her partner, I thought about you and I with the tea when she was talking about the chai tea. Oh, yeah. How, oh, yeah. How it became not a treat, but a necessity. And mm -hmm. then they were looking at an addiction. And when you get to that point, like, you don't own that anymore. It owns you. It owns you. you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of shifting and perception and expansion of consciousness that goes along with recognizing that. And, you know, not cutting yourself off, but moving back to center yep. with things that you do in excess. When I think of times in my life when I did things in excess, especially food. Mm -hmm. I used to be even more overweight than I am now. You're beautiful. And thank you. Um, but I've lost weight, and I did do food in excess. And not only the food, but what I was eating, a lot of bread, a lot of pasta, a lot of carbs. You releasing know. that dopamine. Yeah, releasing the dopamine, but then you feel sluggish and like, can I say crap on yeah. here? Yeah, like crap. <laughs> so when I look at those times when I did those things in, in excess and also being slothful at times, I was thinking about it today because I went through an experience where they closed a hospital I worked in had to watch all these things happen to patients it was a psychiatric hospital and it was devastating to me not only to, for me and like over 400 people other people to lose their jobs but to see what happened to the individuals we served mm -hmm. and I got very slothful and I really feel like I did damage to my body because I was just resting too much mm -hmm. I would I wasn't getting up and moving enough and I think I did, you know, I think yoga's helping me correct it, but I think I did some permanent da damage from that living in excess mm -hmm. um, and allowing my depression to overtake me too, I think is a part of this. Interesting that you say it that way because it can also go the other way. And Manju, I know I'm bringing him up a lot, but I just came from this okay. training. I love hearing about him. <laughs> he talks about how very early on when he first came over in the early 70s the way that uh, Shtanga used to be taught by the monks is you would do a full vinyasa between each posture so right now you do a chaturanga up dog down dog and then you move to, to the next posture and you do that between each side well it used to be you'd basically do a sun a between each posture and not only would that take your practice into the two and a half three hour realm but that would completely wipe you out but let's think about this for a minute. That was for monks. Monks don't have family commitments. Monks don't have to work. And that's how he explained it because when he came back, their life is their work. Exactly. Yeah, excuse me, excuse me. They didn't have to go home and help fix the dinner or go grocery shopping or go to another nine to five, you know, that sort of thing. And so he talked about, and he gave an example of one of his students who I've gotten to practice with Greg. He said he started looking like somebody from The Walking Dead, very sunken in, very sallow. He lost all of his color because he was waste. He was burning all of his. Oh, there's a word for it, but basically the 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 yogic word for chi. And he's and he's like, that's not meant for you. You're a householder. 
you you don't need to do that because you have to have the the energy left over to support your wife to support your family and he mentioned lots and lots of early ashtangis who kept on that very vigorous path and had several detrimental relationship experiences because they have nothing left to give if you give it all right then and there so you can do excess in the other direction too oh absolutely absolutely you're, you're, I could tell that you were like, so what are you telling me this? So I had to like summarize no, that tirade. <laughs> I was following. I was following. And I was thinking about um, like in relating it to the Native American culture because that's what I've studied the most that you don't become a medicine person until, you know, your family's grown. Like you're 52 when you're considered a medicine person. And so you She do, may have recently celebrated this. I'm there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and it makes sense now. Like, I was I always was like, well, I'm a medicine person now because I was out there doing healing work. But until you reach that point where you can let some of those things go and move more fully into your medicine and study and practice, then you do. You have to, you have to go through that other experience in order to become a medicine person. Which I know is a little different from a yogi or a monk, but it seems it seems still very very relevant because you have to have that connection and that regular attention to the practice. In your case, it was the healing and the medicine there, and in order to get to know the self, and that's that's all part of this brahmacharya. You have to continuously go back. It's not like. Yes. It's not like you take a Tylenol and 30 minutes later the pain is gone and it might not ever come back. The yoga practice and the medicine, these are things you have to do every single day to keep your skills sharp, to keep that connection to yourself, to, to your divinity. It, you have to do that every single day. And that's why these are called practices and that's why these are called guidelines because one, every now and then you, go, you might fall away, you know? Well, and when you expand your consciousness to a really high level in one area, you have to relearn it again. Mm -hmm. Like like I said, I thought I was doing it all those years. And I realize now that there were things I couldn't do because I just simply didn't have the experience mm. or the wisdom mm. that comes with aging and going through life. So in these areas of excess that I've been looking at in my life and exploring, I mean, I believe that I have evolved in certain areas and I also have a lot of room to still evolve and that's the nature of the journey and the fact that you recognize the need to continue to grow is is I think the first step because you can get into conversations with people that are like no I'm done with school I'm done with growing yeah. I remember I dated a guy who was like no it's not life isn't about growing I'm like yeah if you're not growing you're dying when you're green you grow when you're ripe you rot yeah exactly life I hope I never stop learning I know until right the day uh, the day I cross over and then I hope I still learn and grow uh, you know I don't think we ever I think the journey is where the magic is I agree I agree and and then continuing along the path of letting things go and not having that oh these are other niyamas and things like the attachments and inability to let things go and not be in excess so I have a random question for you okay. I'm not going to lie as I was reading this chapter uh, I started being convicted somewhat 
about my closet. Okay. <laughs> uh oh. So, and I joke because I, I used to be in corporate America and I had god awful amounts of clothes and I loved handbags and I loved shoes. And interestingly, I still have, like just this past fall, I just gave away one of those big Rubbermaid containers of suits. And I've been out of corporate America now going on close to five years. Like, why am I hanging on to five-year-old suits? You know it's not like I can bust those puppies out. Like, it's going to be at least 20 years, right, before they come. Right. But I was still holding on to them. And so then I started thinking, what else do I have in excess? And I started kind of getting, I'm starting to get nervous thinking about it. And I told myself that... um, I was going to go through my closet and start getting rid of stuff. If I haven't worn it, uh, like, and, and I couldn't make it like three. See, at first I was like, I'm going to get rid of it if I haven't worn it in the last couple months. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, let's get rid of it. I don't know. I was like, I only need three pairs of shoes. You know, I was, that's how I, I got on fire reading it. And then I got home and I looked in my closet and I was like, oh, but I love that dress. I haven't worn this dress and I don't know how long it is. Oh, but look at these pretty shoes. So I haven't gotten rid of anything yet. Clearly, I have some excess clothes. Have, did that? Did reading this chapter bring any of the things that you may have in excess up to your forefront? And did you do anything about it? Not during this chapter, uh, but I have been working on purging for years. <laughs> and when we moved into this house, we moved two households into it. And my medicine man, interestingly enough, was still alive when this happened, and he helped me move. And he always told me all the years I studied under him, if it doesn't grow corn or beautify your world, get rid of it. It's holding energy. And so I would do that to whatever level I could at the time, right? But when he helped me move out of that house, I got rid of stuff that I had just sentimental attachments to. He was like... This going away isn't going to take away that memory. And you never, you haven't seen this in 10 years. It's been way back in the back of this closet. It doesn't grow corn. Oh, so he helped Ooh, that me with my that heart. a lot. Well, then, as soon as we got in this house, you know, I think I've told you before, I loved the space. Like, I, there wasn't a picture or a thing everywhere. And then between my aunt and my mother passing away and closing out those two houses here it is again there's something everywhere to look at but I really try to every six months go through and let go of the things I'm not using and I'm not perfect at it because I still have clothes that were my grandmother's (laughs) but they're up in the attic (laughs) but they do those things do hold energy and if you hold on to those suits that you Maybe you want to be back in corporate America. I, I don't, don't know. I don't I think don't. you do. But holding on to those suits is somehow holding that energy so that maybe could it be keeping something new from coming in? Oh. I'm not saying it is. No, I think that it's I'm a I'm just deep saying point. that's what excess does. Yep. It takes away the space. Yep. And so maybe look at giving them to some of these professional organizations that help young women find jobs mm-hmm. and try to like give that back to the universe in a meaningful way because if you need another suit we'll get you one (laughs) we will get you a suit (laughs) well I appreciate it and now what's funny about it is I 
my parents went down to Cuba over the holidays, so I actually sent them several of my business attire things because I was like, oh, I'm not wearing it. And some of it I was holding on to because I, it was like a, I gained a ton of weight with both babies. And um, my goal was once I, I'm going to keep it all till I can fit into it. And so it was much easier for me to give it to my mother once I could, because I could prove that I wasn't getting rid of it because I hadn't. I know that sounds silly. I know it does, and y'all can judge me. You know me. what? <laughs> Nothing is silly or weird. We just are who we are, and we, we're trying to bring our awareness to these things. And so it was easier. Them. Thank you. I appreciate it. And so, so don't judge me. But it was easier for me to get rid of them once I was like, okay, I can fit it, and I don't want it anymore. But now I've gotten into this, like, oh, all these yoga pants and yoga clothes. And I still have some, some clothes because... Let's be honest, I have the things that I used to, to wear when I went out before kids. I'm not going to be wearing those things again. I'm not going to wear those. And so I do. I need to sit there and ask, does it grow corn or what? Does it make my world more beautiful? Is that what you If said? it doesn't grow corn or beautify your world in some way. Then I need to let it give, go. You know, an expression of yourself in some way. I love you it. you need to let it go. But, you know, I think the best way to approach these things is to just bring our awareness to them. Mm -hmm. So you've brought your awareness to it. Now, just watch it. Don't force yourself to do it. Just watch it. Yeah. From it, a loving place. Interestingly, I've been avoiding my closet like the plague since I got home. Because I walked in and I was like, oh, you have so much to get I know when you're gone. I'll come over there. <laughs> and you'll be like, she doesn't need that. Excess, she need that. excess. I want it. Add to my excess. <laughs> But it's so much easier with the kids because they outgrow yeah, it. Yeah, they outgrow it. And so we go, we, we, I just took a trunk load to the Goodwill right before I went out of town. And <laughs> why is that so easy for me to get rid of their toys? Get rid of, no, mommy, no. And I'm like, Judson, distract them. <laughs> but well, you it's know you're going to have grandchildren someday. You might want to hang on to that stuff. <laughs> That'll be a good 30 years, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I kept really special, like, wooden toys and special, special books for grandchildren. A big dollhouse oh, that nice. I probably need to let a doggy use in the meantime. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell her that that's here if we don't yeah. have room. <laughs> but no, but that's what the beauty of studying these concepts are. It's, nice. These concepts are thousands of years old. These ideas are still relevant today, whether it's nonviolence or speaking truth or not stealing this all of these concepts all of these yamas that we've discussed including this non-excess in your life they're still relevant today and it's still something that we need to have these discussions about regularly because it it helps you to 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 connect back in one with the history of the yoga which we all love but also connect back in with that root that we all have together and recognize all right mm, maybe i am being violent towards myself or mm, maybe i am a little bit too uh, maybe i do have too many clothes you know that sort of thing and that's why these kinds of discussions are so important i think mm -hmm. i do too and, and i think they're ancient truths that are timeless mm -hmm. you know i mean you can find these teachings in any spiritual text i agree and i was also reflecting on how the excess may keep us out of alignment with our truth or create violence for ourselves. Because, I mean, when I have to dust all this stuff, I get <laughs> really mad sometimes. <laughs> Especially when I realize I've let it go. And it's like, why do I need all this stuff? And that's when I start trying to simplify. 
it's really about simplifying and living from your core divinity. I love it. I love it. And so, hashtag goals like tiny house living. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to live in a tiny yeah, house. Yeah, I've tried to consider if I could do a tiny house. Um, I would like to have some, like, for our retreat center that we're going to have one day. Like, stay tuned. We have a retreat as, coming. Like, I think I'd need a base camp to pull from. Um, but wouldn't it be nice if we could just simplify that much? I mean, just just think about the idea of it. My sister and I, many, many, many years ago, we went to Europe for, we did that. Um, she had, I was graduating undergrad, and we did the Eurail Pass, and we spent a little over three weeks, not quite a month, and we just hopped on trains, and we camped. We didn't stay in hostels, mostly because we weren't into the party scene, the party scene, the party scene, and we we just wanted to see everything, go home, and um, pass out, right? We carried everything we needed on our backs. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, what you need versus what you want are two completely different things when you got to carry it in a backpack. Yeah, and it goes back to that burden basket. Mm -hmm. What can you carry? Mm -hmm. What can you carry? And, you know, when I kept all this stuff, I decided to keep it for heirlooms for my kids and nephews and I'm ready for them to get houses and let me get rid of all of it because I would like for some of it to stay in the family but I don't necessarily want to take care of it anymore yeah yeah all right well I'll tell, I'll tell Sedona hurry up no yeah. I'm just kidding no don't <laughs> don't tell her that no don't. they can take their time but when they're ready <laughs> I've got their house furnished and it's going there whether they like it or not that's what my mom says about a few certain uh, furniture pieces. and and But that can bring up a, a really kind of interesting concept. And I know we, we I think we're, I feel like we're going a little bit long here, but you know, when we get all of this excess and then someone passes away, it becomes, it can sometimes become burdenful. Burdenful of a burden, burden. It can be, thank you, I'm not hairy. Um, it was a feather, like oh. just hanging out. Maybe it was an angel feather. Ooh, I've been blessed. And so, but that's something that I tell my mom all the time. I'm like, Mama, I don't want anything if it's gonna if it's gonna cause strife. I don't I don't need anything. Yeah. I've, I've got a house. I've got a bed. I've got everything. And so that's that's the other thing about excess that you have to worry about is like once you're gone, what happens to it all? Well, I tell you what. After doing my aunt and my parents' house, I would like to do it very differently. I really don't want my kids to have to go through all that. Interesting. You know, I'd rather like them have it all and then I'll live in a little cabin with only what I need and a few pretties to beautify my world. That's right. But beyond that, nothing that doesn't grow corn or that I don't use. And then, you know, it'll simplify that for everyone. I agree a hundred percent. So, but why wait until then? Let's start simplifying things. Oh yes, now. I absolutely. I'm definitely not suggesting that you wait. <laughs> so I don't need all of the scarves that I have currently. Uh, can I'm, I have them? <laughs> yeah, right. I have so many scarves. Justin's like, do you really need these? And I'm like, I don't have that color. I don't have anything in yellow. But see, scarves to me simplify my life because I can just, nobody knows what I have on. <laughs> I just put that over it and go on with my life and it simplifies and I can change them out probably every day of the year. But yeah, I, I went through and got rid of a lot of that stuff. It's hard. But you could, I do it every season. Mm. Every season, I get rid of any something, 
If it's been in my closet for more than two years and I haven't worn it, it goes on. Unless it was my mother's. And then I have a jacket in there of hers that I love, but it's too big for me. And I just, every time I clean out my closet, I'm like, I look at it and I think about it and I'm just not ready yet. So, yeah. I don't. You gotta give it time. Yeah. You have to go through your own process and your own journey. But like I said, when you bring your awareness to it, mm -hmm. and it could be that one of my family members pops up and it's a perfect gift for them because yeah. it's hers and I like to give things away to people that you know it's meaningful for them yeah no I think that's beautiful yeah so what does brahmacharya non excess if I can say it right mean to you and do any of these conversations resonate with you have you felt convicted maybe about all of the clothes in your closet or is that just me I think a lot of women have the clothes, but, but the main thing that I think we want to get through is to bring your awareness mm -hmm. to these things and work on growing your center and growing your relationship with the divine, and then these kind of things happen, they start to happen naturally. They do. I really don't have as many scars as I used to have. <laughs> and I don't have near as many corporate clothes as I used to have. I still need to get rid of and some. And next week, she won't have all her suits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's beautiful to give these things, unless your excess is like something like alcohol or, you know, something unhealthy for people. It's, you know, work on those things. Just bring your awareness to them, and it will start to heal of itself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try and push if you're connecting to the divinity. And the things that you do have in excess... Use it to serve others. Keep the energy flowing in the universe. Because there are so many people that need all these things that we have. And we can bless others with what we're well, not using anymore. Yeah, with our excess. And isn't that the, the beautiful part of that circle, right? Yeah. Just continuing to, to, to bless others. Because that's just it. When you empty that space, the energy is mm -hmm. there to bring in other stuff. So It makes, it, it makes more space for joy. Mm-hmm. And... You bring us so much joy. So let us know if there's something that you are committed to perhaps uh, recognizing an, uh, an excess part and we might help to be, we might try to do, not we might, we will do our best to help hold you accountable. Let us know. Oh, what? real quick What's before that? we end, the other thing Native Americans do that I've done a few times is a pothatch ceremony. Mm. They basically, it's kind of like a yard sale, but, but they bring everything they're no longer using and put it out on tables. Nobody buys it, but if it's theirs, they take it. Interesting. And I love the pot hat ceremony. I did one with my medicine man when I closed out my house. That was one of the things we did, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And some of it I had to fight him about because I wanted to keep it. You know, I mean, he was not, he was serious. You know, <laughs> I love it. He was, I wish I could have met him. He was serious. He used to make me so mad. <laughs> but he was right, you know. And it was a beautiful thing to see people come and take things that they would cherish. Mm -hmm. Especially things that were medicine. Yeah. Because I have a lot of medicine kids that study under me. And they would come. And to have something that I had used or he had used was sacred, sacred tools to them mm -hmm. so consider a pot hatch maybe we'll do that one day oh i think that would be fun we instead of a spring yard sale yeah a pot hatch, hatch. yeah I love with it. our tribe i think that's our a thrive tribe our thrive tribe pot hatch coming soon 
<laughs> so thank you so much for watching again if you haven't already go ahead and hit subscribe down there on the button and we can't wait to see you we will be back again next wednesday until then you guys take care bye bye namaste Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Merit and myself discuss our takes on Brahmacharya, the fourth yama in the first limb of Ashtanga Yoga. You say that five times really fast. We hope you had a good time, maybe laughed a little bit, and maybe learned a little bit about yourself and the practice of non-excess in your life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to this channel. And if you would love to leave us a donation, you can do so at paypal.me forward slash thrive yoga. Thanks so much for listening folks. And we can't wait to see you the next time. Bye-bye.